Welcome to the Rise Inside podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird and powered by Rise Robotics. Listen as host Justin talks to experts from the Rise team about topics relating to mechanical engineering, industrial design, commercialization, and innovation. True collaborations work when ideas are integrated at inception to solve significant problems. Rise Inside brings together how the team continues to work with great folks to commercialize ideas. You're listening to the Rise Inside podcast. Here's your host, Justin Starbird. Welcome back to Rise Inside. My name is Justin Starbird. And this afternoon, I am delighted to reintroduce Ken Gray, Director of Business Development for Rise. Ken, welcome back. Thanks. Nice to, uh, always nice to talk to you, my friend. Nice to be back. Oh, likewise. Today's kind of cool, though, because we get to talk about you, and uh, it's just you and I today instead of uh, you and I interviewing some other folks. So this is uh, kind of neat. Well, you know the, you know what they say, no one loves the sound of his own voice more than Ken Gray. So that's you know <laughs> right down my alley. I'm happy I, to talk about me. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how the quote goes. So <laughs> It is. It is. And we're, bas- we're basking in the glow today at uh, Rise. We're, we'll announce it here shortly, but we won a significant contract. In fact, our most significant contract to date as a company, uh, just about one o'clock Eastern time today. So we'll get an announcement out about that. We'll be able to talk about it in the open. Can't quite do that yet, but we're all um, taking a moment to celebrate a success that we've worked for for a very long time. Well, there's um, nothing like a good cliffhanger for our next call then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there's, there's your marketing teaser uh, for, the, for this episode. That's right. And, and, uh, and for our next episode, when, we, when hopefully we get to uh, invite everybody on to talk about that win, that'll be very exciting. Yeah, that'd be really fun. We'll bring we'll bring our partners in and uh, and talk about how we were selected and why and uh, and what we're going to do together. It would be great. Absolutely. Well, in the meantime, it, you know, it was moments like this that brought you out of retirement, right? I mean, you and I met in a in a previous life doing other projects, and uh, you know, I've been so fortunate to work together uh, with with Rise and and growing um, not just the Rise brand but also you know the business itself. Um, but but truly, you know, this is uh, what what you had envisioned as well when you came out of retirement. No, uh, it is. In fact, I just there's a little known fact that one of my favorite business photographs was actually taken by you, and it's me and uh, Astro Teller standing on the red carpet in New York City. So uh, we've worked with some incredibly innovative people and companies over the years, and. Um, yeah, this is fun. And my, my, you know, I have a lot of people ask me, I, you know, I've been retired, whatever that word means from Caterpillar six years ago. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun and uh, worked on a family project, as you know, and uh, spent some time away, took a year of sabbatical and, you know, at my wife's request and we had a fantastic time. And then she kicked me out of the house and back to, to find something to do. And, uh, the guys at Rise, the team at Rise has been after me for some time to come um, work with them on this technology, and it is a it is really interesting. It's it has the potential of significantly reducing power consumed by you know heavy industrial equipment, which is what I spent my whole career working on, and solve some of the problems 
or at least has the potential to solve many of the problems that we were unable to solve with conventional means of uh, delivering power, typically hydraulically, uh, in the products that I've worked on. Right. So, you know, let's let's jump right into that. What is Rise? You know, this is part of the Founders series, and I know, although you weren't part of the the founding uh, group. Uh, you know, you were one of their first um, managerial or director, uh, you know, hires um, to come on and, and steer the company. But, you know, before we get into your role, you know, tell me a little bit about Rise. So Rise was founded um, by three MIT and one Rhode Island School of Design graduates uh, you know, some of these guys are identified by Forbes as 30 under 30 quality individuals. So the two, the two founders, Aaron Acosta, CEO, and Blake Sessions, our CTO, uh, were identified that way. And, and they're, you know, everybody's young to me now, Justin, right? So <laughs> they're still very young men in their early, in their early mid thirties. Uh, but that's the caliber of talent that, uh, this leadership team has. And then Tomas Sepp, who I think of is, is in the chief engineer type of kind of role. He manages the engineering resources, leads the engineering resources. Uh, he told me today that he doesn't have time to be an individual contributor anymore, uh, which just means that his, that his load of uh, leading and managing is uh, as full and he's realized how much time people development takes. Yep. And, uh, and then the fourth one is Kyle Delacuela, who is uh, Rhode Island school of design and, and you know, Kyle's one of these rare left brain, right brain people that uh, is as strong of as an artist as he is an engineer. He's just a remarkable talent. And it's that that you know, probably those four people were what drew me in in the first place. And then this technology that they have developed that is based on on really moving loads with steel reinforced polyurethane belts on pulleys sounds pretty basic and it is fundamentally simple technology uh, it's the implementation that's not so simple mm -hmm. um, that because it's rolling contact and and it has such incredibly high um, weight uh, dense weight power density incredibly high uh, that it has application in industrial in these industrial applications and it can dramatically reduce again, because of rolling contact, it can dramatically reduce power consumption. And oftentimes we're seeing reductions in actuation power consumed. I mean, empirical data on the order of 65 to 90%, right. which is amazing. Whether you want to, whether you're interested in electrifying a machine or whether you're just interested in, in burning a whole lot less fuel, um, whatever the power source is, this technology will help you use a whole lot less of it. And, and for me, as a, as a construction equipment mining machine developer and director for my whole career, I was, my career was full of you know, looking for opportunities to reduce owning and operating costs, find ways to reduce fuel burn, um, overall cost of machines. This, this technology is, offers potential to advance in those areas in ways we've never thought possible, at right. least not in my career. Absolutely. Well, and it's that story that you've been charged with, you know, basically telling, right? So, you know, what has your role, you know, evolved into uh, since coming on board? Yeah, it's, you know, we're small. We're still on the order of 30 people. Um, 
mostly engineers and then we work with others to help us on the marketing sales side of things but we're mostly primarily a technical company um, in fact one could argue that we're a technology company trans beginning the transition toward it being a product company and my role in it by title is vice president of business development. But when you have 30 people, I mean, you do all kinds of things on a leadership team. I, I'm as involved in, you know, product development and strategy and finance um, as I am in business development. But what I, I think primarily what I've, what I do is I introduce Rise Technology to industrial um, leaders who I think have an opportunity to improve their product with this technology. And then, so I am often involved with laying out what the technology is, listening to them about what their needs are and determining whether or not there is a, a you know, a marriage possible here. And, and, and we're a small, I told someone today that we're a small company. We're, we're, you know, this technology is fantastic. It has great potential. We're not saying it's going to work on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I get involved in quite often is assessing whether or not there's potential. And if there's not, we're going to move on. Uh, there, the opportunity costs are just too high. So um, we can't spend time, you know, we can't spend time trying to force our technology into an application. We, we're spending time identifying the most suitable applications. And then um, our next step is to, to apply our technical expertise to, to make it happen for, the, for people that want to work with us who are, you know, our early adopters at this point. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you touched on a couple of things there. You know, one, I just hear the passion that comes out. I mean, you uh, I would never classify you as an introvert, um, having known you now for <laughs> 10 well, I'm an, years. I, I am an all-in kind of person, right? <laughs> I mean, and people that know me know that I'm all-in. I'm either all-in or I'm not interested, right? right? I, that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, it's easy to be passionate when you're working with people who, you know, have very similar interests. I mean, I love machines. I've been, you know, I'm educated as a mechanical engineer. I love cool new designs that, but I'm not a technology for technology's sake person. I'm, I'm looking for, you know, I've always looked for ways to improve the performance of machines, make them more reliable, reduce their cost. Um, that's what I'm passionate about because Historically, that's what the customers that, uh, that my businesses have served well have been passionate about. And, you know, we talk about at, at Rise, Rise being, you know, the Willy Wonka chocolate factory of machine design uh, because, you know, the joy that, uh, how do I say this? You know, there's a, one of our slogans that you see is the joy of, of building better machines. And, and that's really what this team is fired up about. And, mm -hmm. And I love that. I, I, you know, I, there's a story that I came home from second grade and told my mom I was going to be a mechanical engineer. I have no idea. I, I didn't have an idea of what a mechanical engineer was when I was a senior in high school. So I know I didn't know what it was in second grade, but, but the, the idea that, that mom often talked about was that, you know, machines were 
what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so my whole career has been, you know, the five-year-old or the seven-year-old in that case you know, in the sandbox. I never left the sandbox, never want to, never will. <laughs> well, what was, you know, it's easy to talk about now. You've been involved for, for quite some time um, relative to the length the company has been in, in, uh, in existence in its current form. But what was yeah. the, you know, what actually pulled you out of retirement and, and said, okay, this is what I want. Cause you know, you got to meet them a couple of times, but I mean, you couldn't have known how, how um, in depth and how, you know, talented these guys were right out of the, out of the gate. Could you? No. And in fact, it, it was a, uh, over several years, um, Aaron, our CEO reached out to me. I don't know. It must've been four years ago. Uh, wanted me to come to Somerville, you know, near MIT there, visit the lab uh, because they had this great actuator that did all these great things. And um, I reviewed it from a distance, Justin, you know, I didn't go, I, mm-hmm. I looked at video, looked at the technology and I didn't think four years ago that they were ready. Um, they were they had a great, the theory was great. The, um, you know, the design concept was great. The, the advantages were clear, especially around power, what power consumption, what I didn't realize. There's some other things we can talk about too. Um, and then Aaron reached out probably two years later and, hey, are, are we ready yet? <laughs> and, then, and then a year after that, then they, they had some things that were real. Yeah. To, to show me some real actuators, uh, some things that were packaged to a point where I thought that you could really put them on in an industrial application. Um, and that, that got me interested. And then I think a conversation with, with Blake Sessions and, uh, and Tomas Sepp and, uh, and Kyle Delacuela, you know, talking with all those guys, probably the one that impressed me the most was, was speaking with Blake. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. mean to take anything away from any of them, but Blake and Blake, um, I've said this, used this phrase before, is is represents to me the intersection of of elegant mathematics and practical applications, and um, he's he is as I'd put Blake Sessions, I'd put this whole team on up against any engineering problem that I've encountered in, in my nearly 40 year career. How's that possible? Nearly 40 year career. <laughs> and I don't care what it is. I, yeah. I just, I don't care what the problem is. They would solve it. And Blake, if you speak with, uh, and, and Blake, you need to shut this off if you listen to this for about a minute here. Uh, but Blake is regarded as a generational talent at MIT. In fact, one of the professors says that he is the finest mechanical engineer that they have produced uh, in a generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you work with him for a short period of time, you realize that that is true. It, 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 it's amazing. Um, and um, so we all kind of think of ourselves as disciples. But, I, you know, I think that... Um, they really dig into why things work the way they do. And my dad was always a big proponent of, you know, you just, you don't understand it until you, you can explain why it does what it does, how it works. And this team is very much into figuring out how things work the way they do. And, and they, they, you know, rise cylinder 
the concept is, you know, there are two ways. I've said this too that to you before, Justin. There are two ways to destroy a, a belt that's under load, and Rise Cylinder works because it does both of those things at the same time. And right. it is, and it and and applied in such a way that it is though neither of those things is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the intersection of, of elegant mathematics and practical applications. And just to be clear, you can't twist a belt without reducing its life and you can't fleet it, which means you can't bend it on an axis, you know, that's perpendicular to the plane of the belt. So sure. think about keeping that belt flat on a plane, you buckle, you buckle the inside race and you stretch the outside race. But if you do both of those things at the same time in the right ratio, it is, as I said before, it is as though neither of those two things is occurring. It is, mm-hmm. it is as though it is neither fleeted nor twisted. Uh, pardon my butchering of the English language there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, that to me was, you know, that, that understanding, that need to understand why that passion for better machines combined with uh, the theory and the concept had turned into a real design and a real product uh, is what brought me, uh, you know, kind of back out of the shadows and into the, because I just, I just never, uh, I never really uh, wanted to completely stop working and uh oh my gosh if these guys put an end to that uh put an end to that fishing every day right. <laughs> uh, dream that i thought i had and i and i i think one of the secrets to longevity is meaningful work uh and uh and i this team is uh man they are definitely helping keep me young so uh it it, it is it's a lot of fun well we also have the advantage of you know, doing this interview after hearing Blake, uh, you know, Tomas, Kyle, Aaron, all all speak as well. And, you know, we've actually had some of the other partners and and investors in RISE um, participate. Uh, So I've I've heard, you know, a lot of different reasons why the vision of RISE is so important. And you're talking, you know, here a lot about the passion and what brought you out of, of, um, I would say uh, a slowed down, you know, work-life balance uh, <laughs> and instead of retirement, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever known you to, to be quote in retirement. You just had other projects that, that weren't um, a, you know, previous nine to five type of job. But with that said, I, you know, you're coming, you're in a unique position because uh, you know, you had a career before, and you had a lot of these relationships. Um, I know you never vouched for anything that you didn't feel, you know, like you had said before, you're all in or you're not interested. So, you know, now you're vouching for something that is potentially going to change the landscape of uh, an industry that you spent your entire life in. What to you has made this vision so important? And, you know, you know, what is that going to mean in both the commercial and also you know, we were talking about um, some of the other projects that you're starting to get traction in in the government space. You know, what what really resonates with folks as as you you know talk to them all day about Rise. You know, uh, well, that's a great that's a great question. Um, let me try to answer it. Let me try to answer it this way. Let, let's let's start on the. Air Force side first, on the DOD side first. The U.S. Air Force is the world's single largest consumer of fossil fuels. 
you know, let that soak in for a minute. And it <laughs> right. isn't even close. And one of the projects that really excited us this year was to be honored to be invited to help them look at their ground fleet to reduce the energy consumption of that of that ground fleet. And um, that has been a fascinating project. And um, so one of the one of the potentials of rise technology, and I don't care whether we electrify that fleet or not, as I said earlier, whatever fuel you use, we're going to help we can help you use less of it. When you're using 65 to 90% less energy to, you know, to actuate, you know, instead of using a hydraulic compared to a hydraulic cylinder, these high power applications use significantly less fuel. So we can reduce the, the fuel used in many of these applications by nearly half. Um, and that that's number one. So we can reduce that you know, the, the fuel that's actually used on the ground significantly. What's perhaps more important is that that equipment that supports aircraft on the ground is transported by air when it's deployed for military purposes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the cost or the fossil fuel burn, the jet fuel burned to move a pound of, of it, it, uh, to move a pound of material is, is enormous. Um, and there's a job that uh, we've done for one of the branches of the Air Force, one of the, one of the commands of the airport, Air Force, where we redesigned a crane that they deploy. Uh, and we took the weight of that crane from 1,760 pounds, I believe, down to just over 200 pounds to do the same work. So the, the original crane was hydraulic. The crane they wanted was manually powered, so it's literally like like a like a hand crank uh, to get this done. So, um, but what's really important there is that is that we dramatically reduce the jet fuel used uh, to get that device from one place to another. So, so one of the things that we're really excited about in that space is is improving, you know, how much fuel they use, reducing that fuel consumption, but also uh, we're solving some of their biggest problems and operational problems in terms of making the equipment uh, much more suitable to the task, uh, much more controllable. Uh, we'll allow fewer uh, war fighters to be able to do the job that was previously done by multiple war fighters might be done by half as many people. Uh, those are the types of operational improvements we're looking at as well. So it's that combination on in on the on the defense side of reducing fossil fuel, but also significantly improving the operational capabilities that, uh, um, that uh, their operational capabilities. On the commercial side, as I said, I always thought of, of, of you know, the way I wanted uh, products on the commercial side. There's a, a meeting I'll never forget in my life where, the, where they were trying to get me, I wanted to design gr a green machine when I was, mm -hmm when I had a certain job at, at, in, a, in, a, in, uh, in my past. And, you know, they, they said, look, the way we think of it is like this. Number one, the machine has to perform well. If you can make a machine that performs and does the job better than any other machine has ever done it, then yeah, we'll start to pay attention. But that performing machine has to do the job incredibly reliably. Um, you know, the, you know, the most important ability is availability. So when I go to turn the key on, it's 
uh, you know, I don't care how good the machine performs when it's running. If it's not running, it's no good to me. So you better make sure that it, that it's very, very reliable as well. And then, then I need those two things, but I have a business to run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my owning and operating costs had better be low. They have to be low. Um, and, um, so I can't afford to pay anything up front. Um, and I, and I don't want to keep pouring fuel in it and fuel in it. And I don't want to pour, pour oil into it and et cetera. And then the next level is, you know, we got to, we got to meet regulations, right? We've got to be safe. We've got to be quiet. We've got to be in the list. The list is on and on. It has to be transportable, uh, and on and on. And then the last one is, you know, I'd like to think this one was first, but it usually isn't. Well, it isn't because we have businesses to run. Um, we all breathe the same air and drink the same water. Mm-hmm. And so for me, rise is super important because it, we're going to tremendously reduce greenhouse gases in industrial applications because we're going to be burning so much less fuel to move loads. Um, and where it's a completely dry solution, there are no hydraulic fluids here at all. Um, and, and then I, I mentioned earlier some other benefits because it's based on rolling contact. There's no, there's very little heat signature. So mm-hmm. these are all passively cooled devices or generally passively cooled devices. There are some, a few exceptions, but um, the cooling system de- that was previously devoted to hydraulics can also come out. Um, so there are no reservoirs, there are, <laughs> there are no tanks, there are no pumps, there are no hoses, lines, tubes, there are no <laughs> seals, there are no leaks. Uh, so we're doing two things. We're, you know, we're dramatically reducing greenhouse gas and we're, we're eliminating because the, we're eliminating the potential of, of contamination of fluids into the environment because there just aren't any. Yeah. Uh, so to me, uh, you know, I can get, I can solve, I can provide product that customers want to buy and it's much more friendly in the environment. That, you know, the, electrifica- the electrification mega trend is, is important in, in transportation, particularly automobiles and now on, on highway trucks. It's coming in industrial equipment mm-hmm. and, and, and rise, rise technology is an enabling technology. It, it, that's why I'm so excited about it. It could fit into everything. <laughs> so, you know, I sit here and I listen to you and I mean, it never gets old to be able to tell the story. And that's why, you know, I'm here, right. Is uh, being able to have this podcast and be able to help uh, share, uh, you know, the successes of rise, but there are still obstacles. Um, and, you know, you, as passionately as you share that, um, you know, you still have, you know, doubters out there, you know, can you talk and touch on a little bit of, you know, the challenges that Rise is still facing to get the technology adopted? Absolutely. I I mean, like we need to be very transparent and want to be very transparent about this. I mean, you know, um, not every mechanical engineer that works for an industrial company is from Missouri, but, you know, they sure need to be shown that the technology works and uh, the more, you know, the more that we demonstrate that it works, the more people will align with us. However, um, you know, we're <clears throat> industrial, you know, machines are married to hydraulics and, and rightly so. 
because hydraulics, you know, mass power density is incredible. In fact, they displaced, you know, hydraulics displaced cables and pulleys, you know, over 75 years ago in construction and mining equipment because the power density is so good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's generally reliable. It's something people understand. It's, it's ingrained into the business. You know, it's, it's, you know, big companies that, that make this equipment very often have their own hydraulics businesses. And um, so our competitors are, you could think of Rise's competitors as being hydraulics or hydraulic cylinder manufacturers. But to me, you know, our, our competition is, you know, reticence to change and not invented here thinking and, We've always done it this way. And, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, there's a lot of change we're going to have to make. It, it's, it's resistance. They are resistance to change issues, Justin, far more than they are technical or competitive, uh, competitive issues. Now, right. that, that's the first category. The second category is that from a mass density, from a mass power density point of view, rise is clearly superior to hydraulics clearly will be will be lighter no question about it from a volumetric power density point of view we're not always going to be the same size we're going to be will in the case of our partner anthony liftgates our cylinder is the same as the uh, you know we can fit in the same space claim as the hydraulic cylinders we replaced but in many cases, it will be somewhat larger, and the diameter might be fifty, might be sixty percent larger, depending on operating, depending on a lot of things, duty cycle, operating pressure, etc. Um, and so you you can't always just drop it in and plug and play. So the other, the you know, there are some legitimate reasons for pushback because there will be some system redesign required. Um, and that's costly. I mean, it, and, and, but and I get it. But on that end though, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, no, know, please to that end, uh, you know, companies have a responsibility at some point to move towards being efficient, to being more sustainable and those sorts of things. So if they're not already thinking about a redesign uh, of their current, you know, platform, their current operating system, whatever, I mean, it, it wouldn't this fall into that same budget? And if they would look for the best partner for each each um, requirement that they have in order to meet that, no? Yes and no. Um, you know, they are certainly cognizant of the electrification megatrend that's going on in the world. They know that their customers more and more are asking for reduced greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, there's not as much clamor for, you know, um, groundwater, you know, eliminating groundwater contamination potential, but it's coming. Um, that said, radical redesign of a system is, is really expensive and not, you know, for, there's an upfront development cost, but I've often thought that the most successful industrial equipment customers um, are the ones that know their costs extraordinarily well. And 
if you change the fundamental design of a machine, then there's a chance that they'll, you know, there's a risk in that giving them, you know, giving them something new, even something better. Not everyone has the appetite for that. Now, yeah. I mean, you know, they, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to dig a basement, it's really super important that I know exactly what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and especially if I have, if I, if I have to spend more money up front to get that asset, I might just not be able to do it. You know, it sure. doesn't matter how much I want, how much more efficient I want to be. So there's there's some economy of scale that has to happen. There's a bit of a, a catch twenty two or a chicken and the egg here. I mean, I don't know how many. I probably couldn't tell you exactly how many hydraulic cylinders we're making worldwide, but it's millions. Yeah. Uh, and so rise cylinder doesn't have economy of scale to match up with that with that cost. There's no reason to think that in in the long term that it, that we won't have that kind of cost level that kind of cost uh, advantage. But right now, as as a as an emerging technology on an actuator to actuator basis against hydraulics, we're more expensive yep. at a system level. Um, we can match up really well, but you have to be able to rip out all those things I talked about earlier, you know, fluid, reservoir, valve pumps, all that stuff. If you could take all that out, uh, we're generally very competitive, but again, that's a pretty dramatic change in the system. Uh, that's, and remember, you know, this is so ingrained. I mean, you've got, you know, think about the internal combustion engine and how it's embedded in the automotive business. I mean, hydraulics in the, in a very similar way is embedded in industrial, in the industrial machinery business. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything is built around that technology. And, um, that said, I will, what, what is fascinating to me right now is the most interested collaborators we have seem to be hydraulics companies, Hmm. um, because they it's really interesting because they they've recognized the megatrend number one and number two those that think of themselves as providers of actuation or providers of power uh or you know companies that transfer power deliver power deliver force if they if they think of themselves in that way as opposed to a hydraulics company, uh, which many of them do, by the way, think of themselves as, you know, we, we do actuation or, or we do, you know, we're, we're in the power business or the energy business. If they think of themselves that way, then, then they talk to us much sooner than those who don't, if that makes sense. Well, let me ask you now then, I mean, I've heard how excited you are, heard how you're dealing with some of these challenges, what's next for Rise? What's next for, you know, the business development side of the business? Well, uh, we've got, like I I start where we started this off, we've got a a great deal that we're going to, we'll get a press release out on that we're super excited about. We have, uh, we have, uh, you know, I really think of it as two channels. We have a DOD channel, Department of Defense channel, and we have a commercial channel. Um, we've got a lot of activity going on on the uh, in DoD, and uh, so I expect more and more of that as we as we gain more traction. 
and and uh, we are participating in a program that uh, Army Research Lab uh, hosts called X Tech Search, mm-hmm. and we're involved in that for two reasons because we've had some success with uh, the Air Force, uh, but X Tech Search is a program that you know we were we were part one winners, part two winners, now we're into part three, kind of as we go down the funnel through the funnel. Uh, but we're participating there because we want to understand the needs of U.S. Army and we want U.S. Army to understand RISE technology as, a, a, as an enabler to improve operations of, uh, of, you know, on the U.S. Army side. So I think that a lot's going to happen there. Uh, on the commercial side, we have a number of uh, budding partnerships that uh, that are in various stages of development we'll be talking about. Um, the Anthony Liftgates one that we announced back in October is moving along well and, and we're planning a launch of the all-electric uh, liftgate uh, in the spring, which we're very excited about. Uh, that's probably our next big step. And, uh, and then we'll be talking about more and more commercial partners uh, going forward. We have a lot of projects underway that uh, that I would love to talk about, but would be in serious trouble if I did. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I understand. Well, and, and we continue to grow, Justin. I mean, we're adding yeah. to this team. Uh, we've built a net. We're building out an application engineering team. Uh, we've added three people there. We're going to add a fourth one here shortly. Uh, the, the engineering team that's working on the actuator development is growing. Uh, we have added a CFO that we're about ready to announce here and uh, very shortly, another, another uh, shall we say, seasoned veteran of industry that we'll be talking about. You'll get the interview shortly, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, uh, manufacturing capabilities are growing as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, direct, a director of manufacturing. I, uh, we just brought in a director of our software development team who I think we ought to we ought to line you up to talk to as well about his perspective and background and and what uh, what he brings to rise what we why he's here similar kind of conversation so you know in the last year we've doubled the the technical resources of this team as we did the year before and I expect that growth rate to continue um, going forward. Awesome. Well, Ken, it's been awesome. It's been really great having you on again today. I'm looking forward to our, our next one, which is, I think we're going to, you know, turn the tide and you might, you might get a shot at me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hosting a rise inside <laughs> podcast. Maybe we should just leave that as the marketing teaser right there. What do you think? I know we got so much here. So this is a uh, awesome. You've been listening to the rise inside podcast presented by rise robotics on behalf of our guest today and host Justin Starbird. Thank you for listening. Please share your feedback on our LinkedIn page, linkedin.com slash company slash rise dash robotics.